Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. common misconception about punk rock and loud music in general is that it's all angry and sad. Truth is, a lot of punk is about celebrating love and joy and friendship. Bron Gyojas Leon is living proof. She's the vocalist in California funk punkers Just Friends, a band that can turn having a sore brain into an epic dance party with a circle pit full of love. Bron says mental health is sometimes passed off as just self-care and relaxation, like taking the day off work, which is fine but it's also about putting yourself out there and doing the work to stay healthy. Singing in Just Friends allows Braun to embrace a wide range of emotions through the band's music. She says that acknowledging those parts of herself allow her to be a whole person. Whether it's singing at the best funk punk party in town or keeping the creativity going when she's back at home, Braun's musical outlets are a pillar of her mental health. My name is Brand Brianda Goyos Leon, and I play in a band called Just Friends. As far as How that intersects with my mental health is it's an oasis, you know, away from the realities of the world. So the way that I got into the band is I was in college and I was a psychology major at the time. And, you know, being able to choose your own classes with the requirements and stuff, I decided to take music theory because I always found myself writing songs. And even at this time, I wasn't thinking to myself that I was going to transition into the music industry by any means. But I just felt drawn to it. And in that class, I met people that I ended up starting a band called Sweet Peaches. And we were kind of Motowny. The guitarist for Sweet Peaches was a really big Just Friends fan. And so we ended up playing some shows with them and also going to their events and stuff. And they were great. And it was just this big kind of cathartic party where everybody like shouted the lyrics and like flailed their bodies and just had this incredible like experience together. And it was so exciting. You know, I consider myself a Just Friends fan before I was even in the band. It sounds like you were 
drawn magnetically to them and maybe knew that they were good for your mental health, for your yeah. soul. Actually, it's funny because that feeling was <laughs> that feeling was jealousy for me. I felt like, why is everybody like just friends? Like, I wish people liked my band this much. But I think what I was really experiencing at the time was a desire to be a part of a community like that and to be able to get up on stage and not just be like, oh, hi, I'm a pretty girl and I sing pretty songs and, you know, my voice is beautiful. And if you've heard songs like Hot and Sizzle and from our latest album, Gusher, there's a song called Fifth Dimension. Those songs lean more towards like Rage Against the Machine than they do Selena. That part of myself, part of what's super therapeutic about writing songs with just friends is that I can be many aspects of myself that I'm not comfortable or it's not appropriate to be in society or like in everyday life. I've gotten to know myself a lot through that and I've gotten to accept these more prickly sides of myself and how I feel, you know, in the world. And if I didn't have that outlet, how would I explore those things? A lot of the band's lyrics and songs and even just the vibe is very positive and positivity can be very hard. People think, oh, well, you're just having a good time and it's party time, but it can be really hard to be positive. I'm wondering what that's been like for yeah. you. In a way, it's natural because we are a group of friends and music has brought us closer, I think. So in that sense, it's easy to feel good, you know, feel positive. But it is also kind of a rebellious thing because our lives are not just the music and our lives are not just the band. Our lives have many other pieces that are not as easy or beautiful or what we want them to be, what I would want them to be. So choosing to be focused on the joy of being alive or the joy of being with friends, sometimes just minding your business, singing a happy song is, and getting yourself in a place where you can deal with the rest of your life can be rebellious. You spent the first few years of your life in Mexico City. Culturally, mental health is spoken about in different places in different ways. And I'm wondering what it was like for you, especially once you got into the States and the sort of shifting ideas of culture once you got here. Well, for my family unit and the way that my parents came up, my mom is from a small pueblo in Michoacán called Panindicuaro. She is also an immigrant. She's a double immigrant, I suppose. She immigrated first to the city, it's Mexico City, grew up there, and you know now we're all here in the States. There's a lot of um, brushing under the rug when it comes to mental health for our culture and our family culture. You don't get to be depressed, really. <laughs> There's no such thing as depression. You're just alive. That's just life. It's hard to become healthier or to be more balanced or more peaceful when you're unable to even acknowledge that there's a problem in the first place. 
And so for me, moving to the States as an eight, nine-year-old and getting a look into and, you know, growing up essentially again in a different culture that in the long run, it was good for me to experience that and for me to have these additional tools to help myself. But at first, it was really clashy with my family because they had these expectations for me and how I should behave and the ways in which I should interact with them. It kind of comes around boundaries. They had expectations for what kind of boundaries or lack thereof I should have. And myself, growing up a millennial and also with the internet and all these different social ways and tools to be aware of mental health and to care for myself in that realm. It just was difficult for my family to understand. And so it was a little tough (laughs) to (laughs) work that out with them. So when you would talk to them about depression, what sort of conversation would there be around that? Would it just not be a conversation? Um, It would be like some shock, like being that you're depressed and My grandma specifically would say things like, are you bored or you're sad? Start cleaning. (laughs) I don't have time to be bored or sad because, you know, I have to clean so much and I have so many things to do. So, you know, my grandma's a, a very kind, loving person, but she could only share with me or react to me in the ways that she knew how to. And she didn't have that language for herself. Also, like her life is, has been significantly more challenging than mine. Even by, you know, this age, she had three kids and, you know, not the best husband. And like she said, I guess, didn't have time to be sad or depressed. She just had to take care of her children and try to stay alive. I think part of mental health is being aware of your surroundings and you probably have talked about this on your podcast how mental health is not just taking long baths and lighting candles and meditating I have come to learn that mental health is a lot more of a pragmatic process than I initially understood it to be it's a lot more hands-on and a lot less sexy, I suppose, than what I <laughs> what I thought it was when I was first getting into, like, I have to take care of myself and do my skincare and like all these things. <laughs> For my journey and being a, a young girl with desires for makeup and beauty and these ideal lifestyles, you know, presented to us by influencers. I feel like I have experienced a lot of messaging that mental health, it's as simple as ignoring everybody, you know, treat yourself or let yourself call out from work or take the day off, like those things. That's really great. And those are fantastic tools, but I think it's, it's a very flat picture of what mental health actually is and It's also a little classist (laughs) because a lot of people don't have access to take the day off, to take the bath bomb or whatever, to buy themselves those necklaces. Having that picture, that kind of capitalist ideal of what mental health looks like, you know, buying stuff, buying more things, 
it actually was worse for my mental health because like I can't afford those things. I couldn't afford those things. I was damaging my relationships because I would walk away from a conversation uh, in the name of preserving my mental health. And so now I've come to understand that it's more having the conversation or taking a moment and then coming back to it, paying your bills, you know? <laughs> it can be very isolating too, to even though it sounds great to spend the night by yourself and treat yourself and buy a bunch of stuff to make yourself mm -hmm. feel better, whether it actually does in the end or not. That can be very solitary. Yeah. And I think that what a lot of folks don't realize is that one of the huge pillars of mental health is the people around you, the support system you have, the friends, the family, even going to support groups or you and I talking like this about mental health stuff is so important. Mm -hmm. Be known or at least be heard or be witnessed, right? The people talk about that as humans, as social creatures. We need that community. And I agree, taking the day off or um, walking away because your mom doesn't understand you is very isolating. And eventually you end up digging yourself into loneliness in the name of your mental health. It's like you're, you think you're doing everything right and you're not seeing the results that you want. And it's because the media or whoever is responsible for selling you these things led you astray. It can turn on you very fast too. I'm thinking of a lot of people, I mean, no offense to them, but people that will binge on TV shows mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, the idea might be to take the day off and kind of rest yes. and treat myself. Yeah, like resting. Yeah. But eventually that could turn into a solitary kind of withdrawal from the rest of society. And not to say that's always the case, but I can see that pattern. 100%. I feel like I've been in that pattern myself. And I've seen my mom go in and out of that pattern too. Not just the isolation, but it's also easy to not feed yourself, you know, because you're binging a show or because you don't want to get up. And it's easy to not take a walk because you can just mindlessly watch an entire eight seasons of Game of Thrones in a month or one week <laughs> or whatever, you know? And so on top of being isolated, now you are not well fed, which is also, I would say, like a big contributor. And it's a struggle for me to nurture my body with food as opposed to skincare products. <laughs> I think there's a lot of mental health practices that are running around our society, especially for younger people, that are more focused on curing the problem in the moment or, you know, passing a little bit of discomfort in the moment, but they kind of just add to this big pot of compounding things that contribute to poor mental health. So that's the introverted side that can be very therapeutic to be on your own, to spend time with yourself, but also can be, like we talked about, damaging in some ways. But then you've got the extroverted side of being in a band, being mm -hmm. on stage, having people in the crowd screaming along with you. You're very energetic on stage. You're flamboyant and theatrical and all these mm -hmm. things. So what's the distinction between you being that solitary person and transforming into this person that we Good see question. in the band? I'm a house cat is what I call it and my boyfriend. Because when I'm home, I do spend most of my days 
in solitude. <laughs> it's an interesting experience. It's a very unique experience to have these ecstatic eyes and these big wide open to the world and to the crowd. And there's so much love happening at shows. I, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, like, oh, people love me and blah, blah, blah. But it, it's music and, and sharing that moment together and loving the same songs and getting to perform them for somebody that loves those songs. It feels like love and it is its own special kind of love. And it's very overstimulating. It can be. And the dichotomy of being in that space and then coming home to being alone most of the time or to to be, I guess, more anonymous in society. It's been something that has been difficult for me to deal with in different ways. I always come home to this very chaotic kind of period before tours and after tours I always have like these two weeks of just like thoughts and to-do lists and you know needs and wants just that absolutely take over me and they can get really really difficult because I'm out of routines and I don't feed myself again or I obsess over planning something that I'm not going to do it's just it's such a chaotic period and I've learned to deal with it a little bit better by just understanding that it, it's happening and that it is a pattern. It's natural. It's normal. There's that trade-off, right, between being at those shows and this beautiful experience that you can have at a show that being exciting and risky and dangerous and awesome. And then also having to shift down a gear. And I know that in my case, you know, you get so up and so full of speed and energy and then the show's over and it's like oh not only are you exhausted but I also have a hard time what's next what's mm -hmm. next and I've never been on a tour you know the length of what you guys do but I would only imagine that it's a really tough yeah and it's funny because you go from being in the center of attention <laughs> and the reason everybody's here and people just like love to see you I mean it's such a feeling like everybody whether I feel like I deserve it or not, people are here to see me and they want to talk to me and they respect and value me. And as soon as the show's over, you're the cleaning crew <laughs> and you're getting kicked out of the venue sometimes or, you know, you're loading your heavy gear through the rain and the mud and the this and that. And you're going to go eat McDonald's or for some people sleep on a couch. So it's a very interesting dichotomy and in such a close period of time but I find that understanding that I am but a cog in society making the situation about the music not necessarily that people are here to see me I know that our fans appreciate me because I am the I guess conduit for the music that they love the music that is with them during difficult times or wonderful times. It's not so much that they love me, it's more that they love the music. And I know that they care about me, understanding that, that what you're doing is bigger than yourself and helps because also you can detach yourself easier 
And if you're having a bad day, it's like, it's okay because you're a person and you're human and flawed. Or if you make a mistake, you don't take the compliments or the critiques at face value because at the end of the day, it's almost like you're providing a, a service or something like that. And how does the music that you guys do, how does it help people from your perspective? I got some beautiful stories on tour this time around. I know that there's been a lot of people whose first dance has been, I want to love you. And for <laughs> them, it's a symbol of how much they love somebody. And to be a part of that, it's mind blowing. I think I can appreciate it more now, but it's been difficult to process that because um, being a normal person, <laughs> I'm just a regular guy. How can I be of so much meaning to somebody? But it's not me again. It's it's the song. And I did get a fan this tour. I think I talked to her after Ohio. She said, I don't want to be a lot right now, but I have this urge to tell you that your music helped me through a custody battle for my child. And I was driving to the courthouse, scared out of my mind for the most important thing in my life, my child. What she was doing was listening to just friends and blasting it. To like give herself energy and give herself strength to sit in court for I don't know how many hours fighting for her child. She got emotional. I'm getting a little emotional thinking about her because it was it was really meaningful to touch somebody's life like that. And, you know, to not know any of the details, but the story and, and the outcome, it's like, it's still hard to really feel what she was feeling, but so meaningful to know that I could help a mother in any capacity. So I have a big soft spot for mothers. My mom was a single mom. I owe everything to her and the struggles that she went through and the sacrifices. So moms, I love moms. <laughs> for you guys, I kind of see you more on the positive side, but there's obviously a lot of range there as well. There's some songs that are quite sad. Yeah, totally. And I think that having a range of emotions available or accessible is so important. Like I was saying earlier, being able to express those sides of myself, I don't want to say they're bigger contributions to my mental health, but being unable to express yourself as an entire person is stifling. And if you can't get rid of those feelings some way, you know, either screaming in your car along to a song or you can't heal if you don't let those things out and if you don't acknowledge those parts of yourself and if you can't see yourself with grace, you know, when you're angry or when you're when you've made a mistake or when you're hateful or jealous. If you're too ashamed to acknowledge these parts of yourself, they're going to fester and eventually like take over because now you have this guilt and you feel like you're not worthy or you're not you're anything but human. I don't believe that anybody can be happy <laughs> without being themselves truly and feeling that like they've been honest 
those sadder songs or those angrier songs are just as important for the human interaction with music as the happy, upbeat ones. It's all part of the experience. The circle pit of love. (laughs) (laughs) Circle pit full of love. Yeah. And that song, I love the lyrics that came to me for that song. It's about putting aside the problems that you have that follow you through life that are asphyxiating you. Yes, those problems are real and those problems have to be dealt with and it will take some time. In the meantime, let's take a moment and just let the joy back in. Let yourself go on the dance floor. Let the music take control is the lyric. You know, get lost, get lost for a little bit, because as much as we need to acknowledge our negative and sad feelings, we also have to take a break from them. That was my conversation with Brond Giojos Leon of Just Friends, jfcrewfanclub.com. For more episodes of Screen Therapy, go to screentherapyhq.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Big news, the Screen Therapy book is available now. Screen Therapy, a punk journey through mental health, tells my story and the stories of others who use punk as a catalyst for mental health. Like this podcast, it links the community-minded punk scene with the mental wellness of the punks who belong to it. To order the book, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com. For merch, check out the newly opened store at ScreenTherapyHQ.com slash store. And for even more designs, check out Screen Therapy on TeePublic. Okay, enough promoting. It's time for some thanking. Thank you for listening to Screen Therapy. Doing this podcast and talking to folks about punk rock and mental health has been a crucial part of my own mental stability, and it means so much to me that you're out there listening. Screen Therapy is created in the Cathet region of coastal British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Contact me at ScreenTherapyHQ.com or email me at ScreenTherapyPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about punk rock and mental health. Until next time, take care and be well. (laughs) 